Hello, I am Donna Freeman, the founder of Yoga in My School, and this is the Yoga in My School podcast. I appreciate you coming and having a listen. Thank you for your likes, your shares, your comments, and your ratings. It truly is a blessing as it helps others to find us. The purpose of the Yoga in My School podcast is to empower you to share yoga and mindfulness with youth. Through the archives and this episode in particular, I know that you will receive inspiration, knowledge, and tools to help you do so. We also are big fans of building community, and we love finding people who are doing amazing things in the kids' yoga community worldwide. So if you know of someone, or maybe you are someone, who are doing something incredible and you'd like to share it, feel free to reach out. You can email me, Donna, at yoganmyschool.com with ideas for upcoming episodes. Appreciate you listening. Have a wonderful day, and enjoy this episode. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the show. This is Donna Freeman, the founder of yogainmyschool.com. I'm the host for our, your, this show today and it's my pleasure to... Um, have our guest here today. Our guest is Ian Finn, and Ian has been a, a role model of mine for years, so it's a really a fantastic thrill for me to have him with us, um, and I think one of the things that I most admire about Ian is that what he talks about isn't unrealistic. It really resonates with me, and that deep connection with nature, the idea of social change isn't difficult. It just takes small steps every day. So I welcome our guest today, yogi, surfer, and blissologist extraordinaire, Ian Finn. Ian, how are you? Great. Thanks, Donna. Thanks for the nice introduction. <laughs> well, it's absolutely a pleasure, <laughs> truly. I, uh, I've used your quotes for years in my classes, and I've been able to uh, take a number of classes with you over the Internet uh, and and through your DVDs, and so I feel like I know you. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Can you tell everybody a little bit about your personal yoga history? Sure. Um, I uh, my, my major in university was philosophy, and my minor was comparative religion. So in 1987, I got exposed to sort of Eastern philosophy, and um, that really opened up a lot of curiosity. You know, I read the old yoga texts, the Bhagavad Gita, stuff like this, and it put me on my path of exploring yoga. And even before that, actually, what got me to study that was, um, and then we'll probably talk about later, but um, my biggest influence was a guy called Joseph Campbell, who people who are older really seem to know his work, but the younger generation doesn't seem to be picking up, which is a drag. But um, anyhow, then through that, I kind of learned um, meditation and yoga, and I more dabbled in it. But when I moved to Hawaii in 1995, that's when I think I really, really got Serious about my yoga practice rather than just um, dabbling, and uh, I met a woman, Nadia Torman, who taught me a lot about Ashtanga yoga and uh, Vinyasa yoga. And being a young person at the time, um, it was kind of the missing element. You know, made it what I always talk about: made it the a gym, a temple, the university, and going to a massage therapist at the same time. And I just said, even though I'm a tight, inflexible guy. I'm going to do this till the day I die, and I never ever thought I'd 
teach it one day because I felt like I was so bad at it. But um, but just over the years, it, it, I, I couldn't not do it. <laughs> so here I am. There you go. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting, kind of, if someone had told me I'd be doing what I currently do when I was, you know, in university, I'd laugh at them. So <laughs> life is sometimes like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the major thing I think people, I mean, for me, when I look back at university, if someone said, you're going to spend, like, four hours a day on a computer, I'd be like, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I'm going to be in the waves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But here we are. But, I mean, also, yeah. Actually, it's funny for me because I really think that um, if I looked at, if, the, if you know, the 17-year-old or 18-year-old me looked at the current me who's age 42, I think they'd be pretty excited. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like, oh, you've been, you've been doing it all all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you um, described yourself as a blissologist. What yeah. exactly is that? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, even more than teaching yoga, you know, I really always say that I'm a blissologist or I like to practice the art of blissology. And um, the idea really is um, that, you know, in the blissology path, we try and get off of autopilot and really check in with where we're going in life and try and chart the path for our own happiness and um, try to minimize the impact of the harm we do to others. And I guess my big theory at the end of the day is that there's uh, a force that we tap into. And I don't know if it's just a neurophysiological event or if there's actually something out there in the universe, but there's something that uh, makes us feel really connected to other people and to the world and you know, over the years, people have described it in different ways, but um, but I think that we really need to stay in touch with that. And you know, as I mentioned, my hero is Joseph Campbell. He always mentioned that you know, there's so much, uh, so many ways that you need to re-describe this experience to people, um, in to, so it makes sense to modern sensibilities. And um, and that's where I came up with psychology is just trying to find ways of explaining. This, that really works with the way that we're t- all thinking these days, you know, in, in ways that um, that really make sense to us and the way we think as modern people, you know. And that's the mm-hmm. idea of pathology. And it comes back to Joseph Campbell. I mean, his main tagline, I guess, that people stick that sticks in their minds that you see on bumper stickers everywhere is "Follow your bliss." So it comes from mm-hmm. uh, honoring him, you know, the pathology idea. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, you know, adding the ology part kind of takes it a little bit further than, okay, yeah, follow your bliss in your spare time. But you take it into, like, everything that you do and encourage others to, you know, really follow their hearts and and find their true happiness. Yeah, um, thanks. I'm I'm glad you feel that way. I mean, that's that's my mission. (laughs) So I'm glad glad at least one person's picking it up. Yay! (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's got to go. It's got to be. It's got to be something that affects everything you do, and that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying about even, um, you know, when it, the physical yoga practice too is, is a great piece in the puzzle to really set the tone, because I think, especially at the end, after you've done all the movements and the stretching, the breathing, you lie there um, on the floor. I think that's when you really become in touch with whatever this force is, and something does. 
um, open up your heart, or I don't know exactly the best way to describe it, but that's such a, a intrinsic part of the experience. And when and when you can tune into this all the time, then yeah, it's with you twenty four seven. Now, your background is, as you said, you know, Ashtanga and power yoga, and you've got DVDs and stuff that, that teach that. How is that from when you were a young man doing, you know, this fairly vigorous practice? Has has your practice changed as you have pursued your own personal bliss? Oh, God, absolutely. I mean, it's funny because I'm here actually in Encinitas, California right now, and um, Sharat, who's one of my old yoga teachers in Ashtanga um, is teaching here um, that's Patavi Joyce's um, grandson mm-hmm. and um, and, I'm, and I, I was actually tempted to go this morning but uh, but yeah my practice has changed a lot from the Ashtanga days I still think it's a really great practice I know people who teach it really well but I, I actually got an injury doing Ashtanga yoga um, and it's one of these things that you know injuries really if anyone's ever had an uh, injury doing yoga, I mean, there's so much learning potential from that. Mm -hmm. And it it really set me in my path to, it it absolutely changed my goal of doing yoga as a young person. And I used to be, you know, thinking I was about these extreme poses and trying to do a handstand and get my feet on my head and all these things. And, um, I mean, what it really did on a physical level was change my motivation to how can I move really well now and how can I move really well when I'm 70, 80, or 90 years old? In other words, how can I become a more sustainable yogi? <laughs> right? I want a body that, you know, if people talk about sustainability in terms of the environment, but I think everything I'm trying to do through blissology, you know, the mindset, through yoga as a physical practice, it all has to do with sustainability. I'm talking about sustainable relationships, but how sustainability um it, you know, is imparted in your body is um, a reflection of how well you look at your joint function. You know, can you do yoga poses and actually try and improve the way your joints articulate and the way they function? Can you try and um, tune into the subtle energies of the body and let those um, become more dominant and more balanced? Um, you know, so this is this is my goal on a physical level with what I'm trying to do with yoga is trying to make it more sustainable. And what I realize is that extreme yoga hurts you, you know. And and even if you're not doing extreme yoga, if you have the mindset of, like, I need to go to my maximum and um, push past any of um, the wisdom that my my body signals are giving me, then mm, it's... You're going to get hurt, and I and I can't stand when people get hurt. So, basically, the, I, I I love the alignment work that that's evolved from an injury that happened in 1998. You know. Yes, having been injured myself doing uh, doing yoga, and yes, it was my own fault. <laughs> um, yeah. I I understand where you're coming from, um, and I think it comes right down to you know, ahimsa, kindness, kindness to yourself is uh, first. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely that. And, um, yeah, it comes down to Ahimsa, which I think really is, um, really, when you look at that, it comes to with listening, right? There's a, there's two parts of being alive. One is telling, you know, and trying to create things and forge things in the world. And the other is listening. And, you know, we need 
we need both. And if you're only trying, I mean, actually, I have a friend, teacher named Joel Kramer. He, I think, describes it best, where he um, talks about pushers and sensualists. Um, and and so, in the physical yoga practice, you know, he doesn't use exactly these terms. If I had to shorten it, I would say a pusher is someone who wants to achieve their goal, and they ignore bodily feedback in order to get there. And uh, Sensualist is someone who has a goal, but they don't override body feedback in order to get to where they're going. In other words, they realize when they're at their edge, and they're they they're content staying there, and they'll you know work slowly. and 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 that's and that is the foundation of kindness. It's and it actually comes back to the blissology mission that I was talking about. It's like, yeah, we you want to balance your own personal drive. We all have drive. We want to create things in the world, but can you listen? Can you listen to the needs of others? Can you not unplug from your own body, from your own relationships, from the planet in order to achieve what you want? Mm-hmm. You know, so so it's a, it's a great thing that here we are talking about a body, but when you get the mindset of how to do yoga, well, physical yoga practice, then it spills off into every single aspect of being alive and yeah that kindness that ahimsa you talked about is um is uh is an important part of it i mean and the key thing there i think just to go just to expand that a little bit more is i mean a lot of people hear the word ahimsa and, and translate it as non-violence or non-harming but i mean the thing to realize is that it's impossible to be alive and not cause harm to something, you know? And, and so I'd like to try and really just make it clear that we're talking about minimizing harm, you know, that you have to have your own personal goals. You know, this, this is not a bad thing. It's not that you want to become completely egoless or goalless um, or desireless, right? But you need to balance that out with, um, with, with how we impact people and the beings. So it's a balancing. Definitely a balancing. This year, you have released and are big into promoting yep. the Blissology Project. Uh, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about this fantastic uh, project and how you've taken your your fundamental ideas of Blissologist and make it yep. into a, a feasible, workable plan to bring people happy? Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's um, been... It was definitely a project. Well, it, it took years to um, bring it to fruition, but the the original mindset that came from it just basically stemmed from the idea that you know we our habits create our actions um, and our attitudes. Right? There's a kind of a connection between habits, attitudes, and actions. And so I realized just observing my own life, I just you know someone who really wants to try and inspire others to stay connected to happiness and connection to others. Um, I realized that, you know what, why why am I in this you know, pretty positive mindset all the time? And like it's a bunch of habits that I do all the time and, and what are they? And then I start to look at them going, God, they're all such simple things like um and these are what I call the five big, easy Commitments with the five plusology commitments are yoga, meditation, nature appreciation, food awareness, and gratitude. So if you can okay, go through those again slower. (laughs) Okay, so yoga. Because I know you're you're familiar with them, but some people may be listening and they've never heard them before. So what are they again? Number one. So let me so let me backtrack again. The plusology project is it's a 28 day commitment to to practice 
five physiology commitments. Okay. And um, yeah, so what are these commitments? Yoga, meditation, nature appreciation, food awareness, and gratitude. So um, yeah, and and yeah, as you're mentioning, you know, sometimes I call them the big easy bliss commitments because they're they're powerful, um, and they're easy. Um, I mean, to do to really practice nature appreciation is you know, a, a one-minute commitment every day. I mean, um, but it, but it's a deep commitment, it's, and, and it's interesting because I actually did a teaching tour in January of different places, you know, Toronto and New York, and places where they're really, um, especially in January, you know, not a place where you think about it, <laughs> yeah. you know, an easy place to do nature appreciation. And, you know, when I'm in Vancouver or here in California, it's easy to just look around and there's, palm trees everywhere and flower I mean it's in your face it's it's hard uh, it's easy to do to practice nature appreciation but when you get into these cities it becomes a little bit trickier but you need to make that commitment you know I'm on Young Street in Toronto and going okay it's it's you know it's it's it, it is a little bleak here but what's a nature appreciation moment and it makes you look hard and all of a sudden you see peeking up through the snow in someone's garden these brown um you know, dried flowers that are, you know, so gorgeous, and the, the the all the different tones of brown are beautiful against the the white white snow. And you're going, God, even here in the cities, there's so much nature, and it's beautiful, and it's part of us. So that's the idea of the nature appreciation, and 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 how it fits in with the big easy plus commitments. You know, it's it's a one minute commitment, but what did that do in my day? It it makes it, it changes my whole perspective from being, you know, maybe thinking about finances or, you know, wars in the Middle East or whatever. And all of a sudden now I'm thinking about, isn't life a beautiful thing? And aren't we lucky to be here? And, and how did this all happen? And what a miracle. And that's the way we want people to walk around, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the idea of the Blissology Project is through these five simple commitments, you'll, um, really start to change your mindset, especially when you make them a habit that you do every day. Mm-hmm. In 20 yeah. days, and, that's and, all it is. And, and it'll change yeah, your life. Days. Exactly. Um, and, and so actually right now, this very second, um, we, we, there's a book that you can download online that has um, a chart in the back, but by this time next week, we should have an online version. So you can actually start what we call a Blissology Tribe. And... Um, and you can put up to six people in a group, and you can make other people accountable for doing these um, commitments as well. So it's going to be a big um, kind of improvement because it's, um, you know, we did it in different yoga studios. Other yoga studios have done it. People run it all over the world. But to make that really interactive thing and really help people, um, where people can really help you be disciplined to do these habits, I think we can bring it to the whole next level sort of thing, or make it easier. Definitely. And people can access that through Blissology.com? Yeah, it's all on Blissology.com. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Want to move on to another term of yours, which I, I sure. love. Um, okay. It's the hammock enlightenment. Yeah. Can you explain what this is? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny because, uh, you know, I mentioned my background with philosophy and yoga philosophy. It goes back, you know, 20 Six years, well, now that I think about it, um, and, and um, meditation. And after all this time 
you know, kind of studying enlightenment and trying to practice it. I, I'm not entirely joking when I say it. I think I got closest to it during one of our yoga ecology surf retreats in Costa Rica in 2006, um, just sitting in a hammock every day. I mean, it's really hot there, so I would get out of the hot Costa Rican sun and sit under a hammock. And, you know, yeah, I just did this TED Talks about it, and I was uh, talking about it. And, you know, everything I'd ever read about enlightenment, either on a physical level or... Um, you know, it, it was happening. You know, my body was relaxed and breath was at ease and nervous system was in the flow. And and, um, and I just felt so profoundly connected to the world around me. And it was so simple. Um, and I start to think about it more. I'm going, you know, the great thing is, is that in a way you're kind of practicing, you know, going back to the lithology project, like you're practicing the meditation but you're also practicing nature appreciation because you're doing it under a tree. I mean, because when I tell people about hammock enlightenment, they're like, oh, that's a great idea. An afternoon nap's really necessary. I'm like, I'm not talking about an afternoon nap on your sofa because it's different. You know, you're not, you're not lying on the couch, um, you know, in front of a TV or something. It's like that you are under a tree. And this is so important for us to get, under a tree as often as possible to get out of nature. I mean, this is where the Buddha reached enlightenment. He sat under a tree for 40 days. And um, and so, I don't know, I think the idea is that um, also people think that meditation, God, it's so hard, I'll never be a meditator. And it is hard, but just get quiet under a tree and look at some of the splendors and the beauty of life. And that's hammock enlightenment, and you know, maybe it's lowering the bar to something that's more accessible. But but um, we need it because you know I, I've been traveling to different places, and I just keep observing how people live, and our values are not coming from getting quiet and sitting under a tree as a society. <laughs> They're coming from something totally different. It, I mean. I sat beside a surf break here in Encinitas, California. The waves were small, so I was watching our new baby and NCO went out surfing. I put a hammock up. And I'm like, oh, I'll practice hammock enlightenment. And in the parking lot of the of the um, of this of this um, beach, I listened for an hour of these people, and all they talked about was the price of gold and real estate and making money. And I'm like, God, this is what they're sitting in this beautiful place, and this is still what they're thinking about. I mean, this is dominant force that's driving our world and it's a good and important force but if it becomes everything then we've we've dried up our central purpose for being alive we've made our life less worth living and um and we're going to mess the planet up so him him bringing that all back well, and I like how it it simply slows down. I know that as part of I listened to your TED talk um, the okay. other day. Yes, it was up on uh, on YouTube, and yes. I really like the idea that you went into all these like major business sec- sectors and set up yeah. hammocks as an experiment, yeah. Yeah. and just had people experiment. slow down. Yeah, it's it was incredible. I mean, that was my idea. So, I mean, coming back to the original story, here I was in Costa Rica in the hammock going, God, people should experience this more. And wouldn't it be great if I could bring everyone on these retreats and they could experience this and bring this back to where they go? And it's like, why don't we just bring the hammocks up to the north where everyone's so uptight and busy? And um, and it was a great experiment. And we're doing it again this summer. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm encouraging people to... to do their own, um, you know, and really try and uh, and just 
you know, it's it's kind of an art project to, to set these things up and and you know, people think, how much are you selling the hammocks for? We're we're not selling anything. You know, it's it's a it's a really um, fun way to get people to think about their values. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, and and you really meet great people and it's so good for you and the environment so it's a beautiful thing um i i'm in love with hammocks <laughs> i care i have one in the back of my car and i can put a hammock up with a with a roof rack strap that you would tie a surfboard onto your roof with i can tie it up in about i don't know uh two minutes to any tree so it's a great portable bliss device it's a kind of urban blissology there you go yeah. Technology on the go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is your greatest joy about being a yoga instructor and doing what you do? Um, that's funny because I just talk so much about the anatomy part of it. I mean, I love you know the physical part of it. I love getting people in touch with their bodies, but ultimately, um, you know, this is coming to me as I'm I'm saying it. But I, I mean, when when we do our yoga instructing course when we do our teacher training course you know I have an image and I kind of draw it on the board for people but I think you know this is the greatest joy and it and it, the image is um you know you this I mean I have a picture of a person in the room teaching yoga and then there's kind of a, a string or a line you know it's, a, it's something we draw on a chalkboard um that goes from the heart of every person in the room to the heart of the person teaching. You know, and this is what I'm telling people as a yoga instructor. This is your central goal. But the thing is, is that the heart in the of the person in the room is connected to something bigger too. There's one more string that goes off, and that's that force that I can't really describe, but it means everything in life when you get in touch with it. You know, if you want to, we'll call it love. You know, you need to um, tap into this and surrender to it and let it come through you and be a conduit for it. And, you know, I guess that's, a, that's it. It's just being a conduit for the force of love and really inspiring people to be moved by it. And that happens during the physical yoga practice, and it's beautiful. Yes. Yeah, and that's kind of the whole point. <laughs> it's, it is. You know... A lot of the other benefits are fantastic, but really the point is to be able to connect with one another and connect with yourself. Yeah, exactly. It really is. It's it's um, yeah. It's all about connection, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're done. <laughs> Everyone, go practice meditation and yoga now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you do it every day and and uh, and make it and make it. You know. Ten minutes will get you a long way, you know. Just, just uh, you, you, you know, lower the bar if you need to, and just and, and a, a little goes a long way. Just, just make a small commitment. And it's amazing what happens to you in ten minutes. But the the trend, just to go back to this, I mean, kind of sums up a lot of things we're talking about. And that is, um, you know, as I'm traveling and teaching more, um, I'm I'm going to these yoga studios, and and the shavasana at the end. You know, the relaxation at the end is becoming this two, three, four-minute thing or, yeah. you know, and it's really not the focus. And to me, the this is when everything we're talking about that's powerful happens. I mean, 
you when it's in that I mean kind of Shavasana is sort of like hammock enlightenment it's like lying in the hammock I think this is like our our modern day meditation not that they shouldn't practice meditation but I'm just saying that when you look at how frenetic people's lives are to get to a really clear state of meditation is a long high journey for people um but if you can do a yoga practice and lie on the floor or just then you open up to some deep wisdom and it's sad when I see this trend of skipping Shavasana because there's another thing I tell people in our yoga teacher training courses. Yeah, it's a physical yoga practice and yes people will get fit and flexible and all these things and but I want the yoga that I'm teaching to be known as the yoga of Shavasana. <laughs> I want mm-hmm. this to be the most important time in the yoga practice because that's when you surrender. That's when you put your brain in a hammock and 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 when your brain is in a hammock your the message of the heart becomes clear <laughs> and that's and that's uh and that's coming back to your question this is the biggest joy fantastic thank you for joining us ian it's been an absolute no problem, pleasure to connect Donna. with you yeah okay so um yeah thanks for taking the time and um and spreading what you do too in your own way through your interviews and um you're really impacting the lives of others and um let's hope everyone listening can keep creating that upward spiral as well. So um thanks everyone. Marvelous. Thank you. Okay. Bye Donna. Take care. Will do. Bye bye. To learn more about the Blissology Project, please visit blissology.com. They're also on Facebook if you just type in Blissology Project. And then you can also get in touch with Ian on Twitter. He's at Ian Finn Yoga. So that's E-O-I-N-F-I-N-N-Y-O-G-A. My name is Donna Freeman. I hope you have enjoyed this interview with blissologist Ian Finn. Looking for information on yoga for the School of Life, be sure to visit yogamyschool.com. It's a website packed with information specifically geared toward teens and kids. And if kids can learn the precepts that Ian is talking about now, they will be so much better off and able to cope with the stress and the challenges that life will bring them. I encourage you to incorporate a little bit of downtime in your life on a daily basis to do uh, to do some yoga, to meditate, and to really connect with your inner self. I know that as I do that, it has brought great peace and happiness into my own life, and I wish you the exact same gifts in yours. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to tell your friends about yogainmyschool.com. We are on Facebook, on YouTube, and, of course, Twitter. Have a wonderful day. Namaste. Namaste.